0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Professor Schmidt, if you listen to the show, you know him well. He's an expert on Ukraine, knows a ton about Russia, that part of the world. And there's been developments even since we talked in terms of, you know, Putin made a speech. uh, The reports that Progozhin's plane is in Belarus, whether he went there in the plane or the plane is there to... You know, pick him up and take him somewhere. Maybe he's in exile. I mean, what happens to this military group that he led? There's a whole bunch of questions, and and you know, I, uh, Professor. Good morning. Uh, how are you, sir? Good
1: morning. Good morning.
0: You know, I was gonna start with sort of. I mean, you you're a little bit of a against the grain in terms of what's happening and how it impacts Vladimir Putin. But I, since we had the speech and and there's reports that that. Um, Progosian's plane is in Belarus. I just thought on the macro, like now that you've had a couple days to digest what the heck happened, you know, what do you make of all of it? Because a lot of people here in the U.S., they have no idea how to interpret any of this.
1: I think the key point, Brian, is, uh, is what happened when Progosian was talking to, you know, uh, Lukashenko uh, and whoever else. Um, we just don't understand what was said and what the deal was at that moment. What, what I've observed from the outside is that there wasn't much negotiation going on. Uh, Prigozhin just basically folded and said, yep, OK, uh, don't kill my guys and send me to Belarus. And, and the thing I see as most uh, compelling here is that is that the British are reporting that uh, Putin basically threatened Prigozhin's family and the families of uh, Wagner uh, commanders
0: so okay because it was stunning that all of a sudden he's had this super confident march to moscow and as i said uh you know yesterday it seemed like a a, a moment of history that we were witnessing and then all of a sudden it just stopped and so the, i mean basically the those reports are that that basically they said if you do this we're going to kill you all these people and and so he just stopped on a dime but now I guess the, the Wagner group, which was a, a high-profile element of the fighting in Ukraine, A, what happens to them, and B, you know what, what happens to this guy who just you know, 36, you know, whatever, 48 hours ago was considered you know, one of the most important players in this whole conflict?
1: The, the short answer is I'm not sure. Uh, my best guess, I, mean, I, think, I think the I'm not sure is important for listeners to understand. Uh, nobody really knows what's going on here. We're we're too close to the events right now. We need to give it more time. But I don't think that we can assume certain things. I think that we're we're assuming we shouldn't. First is that he was marching on Moscow. There are other explanations for what he was doing. Um, secondly is that he's going to be killed. Uh, you know, the moment he's he's in Belarus, it hasn't happened yet, and I don't think there's any reason to think it has to happen anytime soon. Certainly it's possible. Certainly it's within the mo. Of Putin, and the third thing is uh, that the you know that the Wagner people will be hurt um, rather than then integrated back into the the Russian forces, um, and then and then you know going to fight uh, like they have been in Ukraine again, um, you know given the possible threats that were made against their families, and and given the fact that they actually do believe in the fight.
0: Hmm. We're talking with Professor Matthew Schmidt from the University of New Haven here on Bryan and Company and WTIC News Talk 1080. There's there's a couple of questions here. You know, the, the consensus, everybody in mainstream media was saying that, you know, this weakens Putin, this weakens Putin. And I, and I think you still hold this even 24 hours after we spoke, basically. But you, you think not so fast.
1: Yeah, I think the bottom line here. Is that a, a coup attempt? If that's what this was, uh, is a political military phenomenon, and Prigozhin, you know, brought the military side of that equation. But in the end, nobody in, in Putin's inner circle sided with him. The elites didn't didn't defect from Putin and the Kremlin. And so now, what you're left with is a Putin who who has everybody on his side. They don't have to be on his side for for. For, uh, you know, for good reasons, just because they can be on his side just because they're scared. The point is, they didn't turn on him. And there's no one else coming. There's no second Prigozhin in the wings anywhere that we can see. And Putin has shown quite clearly that he has the loyalty of the military and he has the loyalty of the security services. So people are not likely to cross him because uh, they, they know that, that he'll hurt them or kill them or threaten their families.
0: Hmm. You know, I was... The one part of this that I don't understand, it hasn't been discussed more, but if you have, you know, this fighting force leaves Ukraine, right, and why doesn't Ukraine just attack? Uh, Because it's not that easy, right? It's not clear when they knew
1: what was going on. And just because the Wagner troops uh, started turning towards, you know, ostensibly towards Moscow, um, my understanding is, is that most of them were already out of Ukraine. Uh, and so, you know, if you have the estimate is about 8,000 troops marching north, um, you know, it's not clear how many were still in uh, still in Ukraine. But if he has 25,000, that's a lot left there. Right. And it's just a, 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 let me use the sports metaphor. Right. Your team can fumble the football and recover it on the spot. And there's not much damage done to your position in the game or your team can fumble the football and you can recover it on the spot. Same outcome. And what you're hoping for, though, is that they fumble the ball, you pick it up and run it back. But that's pretty rare, and that's not what we're seeing yet.
0: That's actually a really good metaphor. That makes a lot of sense. Just because there was a fumble doesn't mean you're running it back for six points. You might just get the ball right where it started. That That makes total sense. Professor Matthew Schmidt from the University of New Haven joining us here talking about Russia and Ukraine. And, you know, when it comes to moving forward, you know, sort of what are we looking for next? I
1: think we're looking to see if the Ukrainians can capitalize this uh, on this on, on the battlefield, right? Again, we're we're just a few hours out from it. Right. Uh, and so we we have to see what happens. Um and the Ukrainians have been doing well, but they've been doing well in a slow and sort of plotting way, and I think we have to uh, resist the 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 temptation to, you know, to be looking out here for some sort of D-Day uh uh, style operation. Uh, this is going to be slow and plodding. And uh, and we just have to to keep that in mind and keep watching. There's a lot of time left in the summer for things to happen.
0: You know, my, my last question, you know, because the Wagner group, you know, I don't know this stuff like you do. So, but it sort of seemed, you know, they they did a lot of the dirty work. And it sounds like Russia has sort of, you know, outsourced a lot of the conflict, right? So, whether it's conscripts or the Wagner Group. And it, lo- it seemed like the Wagner Group took everyone by surprise and could literally have marched to Moscow. And one thing it sort of brings up to me is, you know, is the Russian military itself a shell? I mean, I don't know what to make of the Russian military because it just seems like they don't, there isn't much there. It's sort of like, you know, behind Naz's curtain type thing. I don't think they're a shell. I think that pushes
1: it too far. They have absolutely underperformed given what we expected you know of of the former Soviet superpower. Um, but their performance is also dependent on the threat that they're facing and the conditions that they're working under. And so what you're seeing with the with this Wagner phenomenon is that you know these were these were different troops, these were security service folks. They were they were concerned about defending their own capital, and their own their own families on their own soil. And, uh, you know, people, troops uh, behave differently under those conditions than under the conditions that they're fighting in Ukraine. Um, so I think that they have done a horrible job so far, given given the expectations everyone had for them. Um, but that doesn't mean that's always the case everywhere all the time.
0: How surprised were you by these developments?
1: Uh, Not particularly. Prigozhin, uh, you know, has been talking like this for for months and months. I mean, I guess I guess in the end I I was as surprised as everyone else is, is that, you know, it's a gutsy move to sort of uh, uh, pull this off and to try to do what it seemed like he was trying to do. But again, I'm not convinced that we know what he was trying to do. I'm not convinced that he was he he was trying to get to Moscow as opposed to trying to create a situation where he could get, uh, you know, the Ministry of Defense and the chief of the general staff fired. Right, um, and we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens in the end. Here, he, that could still happen, which would be a kind of victory for him in the end.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. I mean, for like I don't know, two three hours there it was it just felt like something massive was going to happen, and then it just stopped. It was really stunning, Professor. We appreciate it as always, uh, especially in the summertime. And uh, we'll catch up soon. Take care. Talk soon. Professor Matthew Schmidt from the University of New Haven. Just, I mean, guy's awesome. I love talking to him. I learn so much every time.
1: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof?